Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbick. And that was Will Romy. Let's talk about money. So I was recently down at the Bond conference put on by BackerKit, which was like a conference for internet makers. Um, and it was down in San Francisco. How much money did you spend on your trip? Actually, like, I'm I'm proud of myself because I spent like less than $90 for four days in San Francisco, wow. including <laughs> the flight down there. I mean, I used points and then I paid like eleven sixty-two in taxes and fees on the flight. And then I stayed with a friend. And I um I I paid for groceries t- as sort of my host gift. So I like mm-hmm, I paid mm-hmm. for groceries and we made dinner. Um and I actually packed taco ingredients for breakfast. <laughs> that makes sense. That's... I didn't pack the lettuce and the can of black beans, and I picked those up because you really can't fly with a can of black beans without the TSA no, getting today, yeah. a little suspicious. <laughs> so um I I picked those up for on our grocery trip my first night there and um, used them for breakfast. And then I spent $9.60 on BART from the airport to there. And um, and then the rest, I spent $15 on coffee in three days because that buys you two coffees and a tea because my tea and by was- By coffee, you mean coffee coffee. Not I mean like, coffee coffee, wild. not fancy coffee. It was $7.40 for my um, tea <laughs> because San Francisco. Oh my God. I know, it's crazy. Um, and then I also, I had a $20 fancy dinner, which was really nice, um, which we waited in line for an hour and 45 minutes for because San Francisco, but (laughs) I'm still impressed with myself because I totally like, I, I ate out plenty, but, um, I feel like under $90 for a business trip to San Francisco when the conference didn't have any food was pretty good. Yeah. That's very impressive. So, you know, and you made it back tooting my own herring. (laughs) Yeah. And how was the conference? It was it was really good. And um, one of the things that the thing I want to talk about today was that one of the speakers, Jesse Horn, said this in his talk, which was capitalism is immoral, but making money is not. And I really I just on the way back, I just couldn't stop thinking about that phrase because I need to remind myself of that all the time. And I know that like a lot of my listeners also come from nonprofit or creative fields where we're given this set of scripts about money and morality. And if you work with or live in poverty, you see that capitalism by itself is this like terrible, greedy pyramid that tramples on the folks that hold up the bottom of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And I know that I personally had to and still regularly have to untangle my own internal money scripts about money being bad. And that if I want more money, I'm a bad person, right? Because I have seen what greed and pursuit of money at all costs does to our society and what it does to our most vulnerable citizens. And capitalism sets us up to believe that we're not worthy as humans if we're not making money. And capitalism is the reason that working in fields that don't make a dollar value profit, like social work or public education, are underpaid compared to their private sector counterparts, right? Mm -hmm. Like capitalism shouts from the roof that the only value that matters is the value of a dollar. So capitalism is immoral, right? It's a flawed system. It hurts and it kills people. Yep, I can get behind that. But capitalism and money are not the same thing. Money is necessary. Even outside the capitalism system, money is necessary. It's a really efficient way to move value around. And the thing to remember is that money is simply an exchange of value. And we build up all these emotional things around money, but it's it that's what it is. It's an exchange of value. For example, I'm pretty good at talking into microphones and understanding Roth IRAs. 
and people pay me to do those things because it delivers value to them. And then I get money. Let's say I use that money to buy, buy food from Jesus, who is delivering value into the world by making excellent burritos. Jesus then uses the money I gave him to pay Linda, who has the valuable skill of medical training. Linda treats Jesus' daughter's ear infection in exchange for that money. That's all an exchange of value. Everyone got value out of that. Money is useful. It got you information about Roth IRAs, it got me a delicious burrito, and it got Jesus' daughter treatment for her ear infection. Like, that's all pretty good. Money is exchanging value all over the place in this example. I'm terrible at diagnosing ear infections, and my salsa <laughs> is not nearly as good as Jesus's, right? Understanding Roth IRAs is pretty confusing for most people. But if we didn't have money, it's going to be really hard to make all those exchanges efficiently. If we wanted to barter for everything, I would have to find someone who needs to understand their Roth IRA every single time I need a burrito, right? Right. (laughs) That's pretty inefficient. I'm just like wandering down the street being like, are you good at making burritos? And do you understand your Roth IRA? (laughs) It's a small subset. Right. And I'd have to move every month into a new apartment with a landlord who doesn't understand Roth Roth IRA so I could trade for my rent. (laughs) It doesn't make a ton of sense. It, It sounds wildly inefficient. But when you're mad at the system that makes those exchanges inequitable and perhaps makes it hard for the people who pick the tomatoes in that burrito salsa to feed their own families or makes it hard for Linda to pay back her medical school loans, it can be very easy to feel like crap about making money. Right. It can make you feel like a bad person for participating in the system and wanting more money. Mm -hmm. And the reason I emphasize starting from your values so much on the show and in financial planning is because I think that looking at your own values can really help smack away this terrible thought loop of I need money and money is bad and therefore I am bad. Right. Because it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve anyone. If you start with the foundation of your values, your goals as a person and for your loved ones, then you start to see that acquiring money in a way that fits your values gives you the freedom to go after the things in your life that you care about. There are plenty of unspoken scripts about money that we carry around from our upbringing, our family, our community. These scripts shape our money behavior in ways that aren't always clear at first. A common money script that many of us carry around is that money is evil. But it isn't evil by itself. The way some people pursue money is evil. But money is just a tool that helps you accomplish your goals. It's just pieces of paper and numbers on a screen that make trades more efficient. Money can be used to accomplish bad things, sure, but it can also be used to accomplish good things. It's similar to a brick, right? Like, a brick can be used to harm a litter of kittens, (laughs) or it could be used to build a new cat cafe. Both of those things are great. Money, like a brick, is neutral. It's how you use it that matters. Money can be used to make art to feed people, to grow catnip, to clean water, to make dangling stick toys for bored kittens, (laughs) to build houses. Like, those are all good things. If you believe that having money is immoral, you're going to have trouble getting your finances in order because you've got this, like, internal belief that's working against it. It wasn't until I worked to shed my belief that I needed to live in poverty to serve those in poverty that I started to get my own head above financial water. Getting my money together was the key to having the time and the freedom to support community projects I always wanted to do. And I didn't suddenly become a bad person just because I opened a retirement account or started making enough money for myself. That didn't happen. So if you're feeling drained by making money, it could be because you're pursuing money without thinking about the core values and goals that money represents to you. Every time I feel like crap for making money, 
because as I said, I'm still untangling my own relationship with capitalism all the time. I remember I'm delivering value. Someone is benefiting from my work and they are giving me money because it helps them. If you're feeling drained by making money, it could be that you're pursuing money without thinking about the core values and goals that money represents to you. Every time I feel like crap for making money, because as I said, I'm still untangling my own complicated relationship with capitalism, I remember I'm delivering value. Someone is benefiting from my work and they're giving me money because it helps them. I then use money to support people doing work that I get value from, like teaching dance classes or operating trains across Russia or making excellent cat videos on the internet. Money gives you the options to live life according to your own values, even if those values include dismantling capitalism. I want to leave you with a Brazilian parable, which I think helps capture the difference between money and capitalism. There was once a businessman who was sitting on a beach in a small Brazilian village. As he sat, he saw a Brazilian fisherman rowing a small boat towards the shore, having caught quite a few big fish. The businessman was impressed and asked the fisherman, How long does it take you to catch so much fish? The fisherman replied, Oh, just a short while. Then why don't you stay longer at sea and catch even more? The businessman was astonished. This is enough to feed my whole family, the fisherman said. The businessman then asked, So what do you do for the rest of the day? The fisherman replied, Well, usually I wake up early in the morning, go out to sea, catch a few fish, and then go back to play with my kids. In the afternoon, I take a nap with my wife, and evening comes, I join my buddies in the village for a drink, we play guitar, we sing, and dance throughout the night. The businessman offered a suggestion to the fisherman. I am an MBA. I could help you become a more successful person. From now on, you should spend more time at sea and try to catch as much fish as possible. When you've saved enough money, you could buy a bigger boat and catch even more fish. Soon you will be able to afford to buy more boats, set up your own company, your own production plant, and canned food and distribution network. By then, you will have moved out of this village and to the big city where you can set up a headquarters to manage your other branches. And the fisherman continues. And after that, the businessman laughs heartily. After that, you can live like a king in your own house. And when the time is right, you can go public and float your shares in the stock exchange. And then you will be rich. The fisherman asks, and after that? The businessman says, and after that, you can finally retire. And you can move to a house by the fishing village, wake up early in the morning, catch a few fish, and then return home to play with your kids. Have a nice afternoon nap with your wife. And when evening comes, you can join your buddies for a drink, play the guitar, sing, and dance throughout the night. The fisherman was puzzled. Isn't that what I am doing now? That wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And our host is Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember to manage your money so that it doesn't manage you. Oh My Dollar is now a weekly podcast, so you don't need to wake up at 7.30 a.m. to hear the show. Check us out on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review.